Yeah, happy Easter, everybody. Good to see you. Good to be together with you. No place I'd rather be than right here, River Glen with you, and with all of you joining us online. Thanks so much for sharing Easter, having Easter with us. Before we get started, I want to tell you about next weekend, we're going to begin a new message series called Five Easy Ways to Ruin Your Life. And as you can tell by the title, we're going to have some fun with this as we study the life of Solomon, but it's going to be, uh, I think, really practical and preventative, and we'd love to have you uh, join us. But I'm especially glad that you're here today. And I don't think anybody's here by accident, because we've been praying for Easter. We've been praying to God and asking God to bring the right people this weekend to hear the message that he wants them to hear. And uh, we think you're here for that reason. Now, some of you uh, might not have thought that, you know, when you got here, I don't know, you know, if you're honest, maybe some of you, um, uh, maybe you came, you know, just this is what you do on Easter. Maybe some of you, if you're honest, you got your arm twisted, you know, or you lost a bet, and uh, that's why you're here. Maybe you got tricked. Maybe they told you you're going to breakfast, and you ended up in a church parking lot, and you're like, oh, man, what's the deal? You got tricked. But however you got here, we don't care. We don't care. We're just really glad that you're here, and uh, we pray today is an important day in your spiritual journey. We really believe that Easter, the message of Easter, can change everything. It can change our lives. Now, I know, you know, when we hear that, you know, this can change your life, uh, we, we tend to respond and, and, and think, oh, yeah, sure, you know, we'll see. Because we hear that so often in, in marketing. So many products come out, you know, this can change uh, your life. And then it doesn't quite live, live up to all of its promises. Uh, for example, you know, the iPhone. Now, I love the iPhone. I've got an iPhone. And uh, they're fantastic. But they keep making uh, new ones, and uh, you notice it's interesting, they started out small, then they got bigger, and now they're getting smaller again. They just keep coming out with uh, new ones, and each one is the best one, but they make more of them because each time it doesn't quite live up to all of its promise. Here's another product that didn't quite live up. Uh, it's called the uh, McDLT. Anybody remember the McDLT? Yeah, many years ago, McDonald's came out with this burger where you can keep your cold side cold and your hot side hot. But uh, this was a McFail for a couple reasons. One, uh, the amount of styrofoam was single-handedly killing the environment. And number two, uh, people, we don't like to assemble our own hamburger. You know, we like to have that uh, done for us. And so that didn't work out real well. But probably the most infamous product fail that didn't change everything, yeah, is uh, New Coke. Many years ago, somebody decided that Coke needs to taste more like Pepsi. Yeah, and so they changed the formula of Coke and uh, made it taste more like Pepsi. Uh, show of hands, how many of you prefer Pepsi uh, to Coke? Yeah, okay. You know, God loves you, and I love you, but you're just wrong, all right? And you can still go to heaven, but uh, I think they're going to serve Coca-Cola in uh, heaven. I'm, I'm kidding. Coke's, Coke's awesome. Don't need to mess with it. Now, we laugh at those products. And we all, you know, we hear about products come out, you know, they're going to change everything. And we probably have our own things that we think are going to change everything. Maybe a new house, maybe a new job, maybe a new diet. But the reason we keep looking for something to change everything is because the previous things didn't change anything. Well, today I want to show you how Easter not only promises to change everything, it delivers. Now, I've looked forward to this Easter for a long time, you know, Today is, is Easter Sunday, but it's also uh, April Fool's Day. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but the first Easter actually occurred on uh, April Fool's Day. And in fact, the first words Jesus spoke when he came out of the tomb were April Fool's. Uh, 
not April Fool's, you thought I was dead, but I'm alive, but April Fool's, you thought death was a problem, and it's not. And if death is not a problem, nothing is a problem. And that's why we believe Easter can change everything. I don't know if you saw the news a couple weeks ago. Many people thought Powerball could change their life. They sold uh, the winning Powerball ticket at the eighth largest one ever. The winner will receive $456 million. And so just pretend for a moment, you know, you buy a lottery ticket, Powerball ticket, and you're the winner. $456 million in, in, in winnings. What are you going to do with that money? What would you do with it? Well, I've given that a lot of thought. I think everybody would do two things. I think most people would do two things. Number one, I think you'd pay off some debt. Pay off a house, pay off your car, pay off credit cards, pay off braces, pay off student loans. Uh, How many of you would say, you know, show of hands, if you won $456 million that you would pay off some debt? How many would do that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pay off debt and hopefully $456 million would cover it. (laughs) If not, I mean, wow. Um, Then second, after we pay off debt, I think many of us, we'd go out and we'd buy something new. You know, a new house, a new car, new motorcycle, new boat. Maybe, maybe go to a plastic surgeon, buy a new you. But you pay off debt and then buy something new. And you know what? I think the same ideas that we have financially are the same ideas that we have spiritually. We want to be able to pay off our moral debt Because we know that there's something that's not right between us and God. That's why many of us keep our distance from him. And we want something that can help us feel new. Because we know who we are and we want a new life, a new identity. And so today, I want to anchor this message in one single verse. One of my favorite verses. It's it's from the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And I want to ask you to read this out loud with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All right, let's read that one more time. And we're going to put a blank. We're going to put a blank here where it said anyone. And I want you to, when we say it again, when we get to this point, I want you to put your name in there. All right? Put your name in there. Let's say it again. Ready? One, two, three. Therefore, if Ben is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You know, that verse summarizes how Easter changes our life. God, God's perfect son, sinless son, died on a cross, raised up from the grave three days later, never to die again, so that you could have your moral debts paid and you could become a new person. See, Jesus didn't die and resurrect to make you a weird person. He didn't die and resurrect to make you, you know, Ned Flanders on the Simpsons. No, he died to make you a new creation a new person. But here's the problem. For many of us, when we, when we look in the mirror, we don't like uh, who we see. You know, I, I find that as I get older, uh, you know, the mirror brings bad news. Yeah, I don't really like to look in the mirror. <laughs> Maybe some of you can relate to that. Uh, last week, I, I walked through our house, and I glanced at a mirror, and I thought to myself, you know, is, did, my, did my dad come back? Is my dad here? <laughs> when, did, when did he show up? Yeah, many of us, some of us don't like to see how we're aging when we look in the mirror. But let me ask you, when you look in the mirror, deeper down, on a personal level, on a spiritual level, what story does the mirror tell about you? 
You know, I think if we're honest, many of us, when we look in the mirror, we see our past mistakes, we see our bad choices, and we allow that to define us, to define who we are. I'm going to tell you something that maybe you've never heard a pastor say before, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it, and that is that sin is fun. It just is. Sin is fun. And if you meet a, if you meet a pastor uh, who, who, who tells you that it's not, he's probably not doing it right, okay? Sin is just fun. Sin is fun for a season. And eventually, it catches up with you, and there are side effects And there are consequences. Maybe you're thinking, Ben, I don't know about that. I'm doing some things in my life that you wouldn't necessarily consider right, but I'm not experiencing any any consequences or, or side effects. Give it time. Sin always catches up with us, and there are side effects and consequences. And one of the consequences of sin, one of the side effects, is that when we look in the mirror, our past defines us. Our past distorts our view of ourselves, And we don't like who we, we see in the mirror, and we say, well, we say, you know, that's who I am. That's my identity. That's who I'm stuck being. Some of us grew up in homes where you were given verbal words that damaged you, that wounded you, that wrecked you. You were told you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not, you're not pretty enough, you're not fast enough, and you grew up... Uh, believe in um, I'm ugly or I'm, I'm fat or I'm, I'm stupid or I'm less than, I'm inadequate. But sometimes when we, when we, when we look in the mirror, we, we, we see not what other people have said or done to us. We see the result of our own decisions, our own choices. I've worked as a pastor for uh, many, many years, and I've talked with a lot of people. And I would say that the number one consequence that we learn the hard way is what I'm going to call relational regrets. You know, someone in your, in your past that you wish, I'd never said yes to that person. I wish that I'd never spent the night with that person. I wish I had never married that person. And you've got this relational regret, and it's defining who you are. For others of us, maybe we look in the mirror and we see that we've got an issue uh, with some kind of an addiction, and we see an addict in the mirror. Maybe you struggle. Maybe you see somebody in the mirror who struggles with prescription pain medication, or alcohol, or heroin, or pornography. And you go through seasons when you think, I'm going to stop. And then it comes back, and you look in the mirror, and every time you see an addict, or maybe the word that you see in the mirror is just the word bitter, bitterness, because somebody wronged you, somebody betrayed you, somebody hurt you, somebody fired you, and every time you look in the mirror and you see yourself, you hate what they did to you. Other people tell you, you need to forgive that person, but your life is just so dominated by bitterness. For some of us, we look in the mirror and we think about some past uh, failures. You know, maybe a business that failed, maybe a job that was lost. Maybe you feel like a a failure as as a parent. Or maybe when you look in the mirror, you see the word liar because you constantly shade the truth. You give pieces of the truth instead of the whole truth. Or maybe you see the word envy because you feel like God hasn't come through. God hasn't really given me what I deserve in life. And so at the end of the day, we look in the mirror 
And that's who we see. Some of you are maybe thinking, well, I don't really have any of those in my life. Well, I've got one more word for you. And that's the word pride. And that's the worst one of, that's the worst one of all. Pride leads to every other sin because you think you're your own God. And so we look at the mirror and we say, this is who I am. That's my past. And so that is my future. That's my history. And so that's my destiny. But the scripture says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I want to unpack this word, anyone. You know what it means? It means this person and 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 these people. All these people can be made new because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has paid our sin debt. Jesus makes us into new creations. But, but here's how we handle this. Many of us, we look in the mirror and we don't like who we are. And so we try to fix it on our own. We say, I'm just going to do some more good things in my life to redefine who I am. I'm going to do good things to outweigh all those bad things. Because you look at yourself and say, you know, I'm basically a good person. I've never murdered anybody. And I buy Girl Scout cookies every year. And I share the TV remote with my wife, you know, 50-50. And I go to the grocery store. You know, I don't leave the shopping cart in the parking lot. I take it back up to the store. And I pay my taxes. Most of them I pay. I support a child in a developing nation. So I'm a pretty good person. You add all these little things thinking that it'll be enough goodness. But you know what the Bible says about our good deeds? Take a look at this verse in Isaiah 64. It says, all of us have become like the one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. You know, I studied the uh, Hebrew for this phrase, the original Hebrew for this phrase, all of us. And do you know what this phrase, all of us, literally means? It means all of us. Yeah, every one of us is a sinner. In fact, let's have a little bit of fun with that. You know, we like to, t- we like to point out the faults in other people. So go ahead and turn to the person next to you and say to them, you're a sinner. Yeah, just go ahead and do that. You're a sinner. We love to point out the faults. And other people. Now turn to them, this is not so fun, and say, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. That's kind of hard to do, isn't it? And I wanna, want you to notice something. You know, it says that all our unrighteous acts are like filthy rags. This phrase, filthy rags, that's a pretty weak translation of the Hebrew. But since it's Easter weekend, I'm not going to go into details about what filthy rags means. But just think of the dirtiest, nastiest filthiest rags imaginable. And I want you to notice, it doesn't say our unrighteous acts are like filthy rags. I mean, I think we'd all agree that, you know, this unrighteous stuff over here, that's filthy rags. No, it says our righteous acts are like filthy rags. But here's how most of us try to uh, handle this. We decide, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do more, more good and, uh, I'm going to become a better person, and I'm going to just try to erase all this, uh, all this stuff in my life, and I'm going to go to church more, and I'm going to pray more, and I'm going to read my Bible more, and I'm going to, I'm going to give uh, more, and I'm going to serve more, and you know what we call that? We call that a mess, <laughs> but we call that religion. Because we try to do more and more, and we try to make this right on our own. In fact, many people come to church on Easter, Easter Sunday, maybe some of us, 
And the reason we come to church is because of religion. We think it's Easter, and so I better go to church and make God happy. But that's religion. It's based on what you do. Do you know that Jesus made some of his strongest comments to religious people, the Pharisees? You know what he called them? He called them whitewashed tombs. Jesus said, you can take a tomb and you can paint it on the outside and make it look clean and spotless and pristine and you can even put flowers next to it. But on the inside, it's got dead men's rotting bones. And he tells the Pharisees, that's what you're like, whitewashed tombs. That's religion. I mean, you can go to church every weekend. You know, you can go to church 52 weeks out of the year. You can go to all, when you include Good Friday, all four Easter services that we had this weekend, like, like I will. And do you know what that gets me? Zero. Yeah. Zilch. Because of the choices I've made, I'm filthy unless I'm in Christ. You're filthy unless you're in Christ. That's why Jesus came along in, in Matthew chapter seven, and he said, uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, he says, don't be fooled by, by some people who act like they're on a first name basis with God, and Jesus is their BFF. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles. Many people are gonna say, Jesus, we did a lot of good things. Jesus says, then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Jesus says, you think by doing enough that it will be enough to make things right with God. But it's a mess. It's not enough. That's religion. And Jesus says, away from me, you evildoers. Evildoers who went to the temple, who went to the church, but were not in the kingdom of God. Jesus says, the more religion and the more good things that we try to do to make this right, the bigger the mess that we make. Because truthfully, you can't change the mirror on your own. I can't change the mirror on my own. It takes an empty tomb. That's why the scripture says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, not in church, not in prayer, not in Bible study, not involved in, in serving, if anyone is in Christ, He's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. In other words, the love and the grace of God. It's not something that we achieve. It's something that you and I receive. Because 2,000 years ago, divinity stepped into humanity when Mary gave birth to Jesus in a little cave outside of, outside of Bethlehem. Jesus grew up in obscurity, but he lived a perfect and sinless life. Around the age of 30, he got baptized by his cousin John, and he began his public ministry. His teaching and miracles amazed people. He walked on water. He calmed the, the storms. He healed the sick. And even people who didn't, didn't like church liked Jesus because he included the excluded. He welcomed messy people. But the religious people of his day, they got so consumed with whitewashing their sin, they couldn't see God's work in Jesus. They rejected Jesus because Jesus was not impressed by their religion. And so they bribed one of his followers who betrayed him. And they had Jesus arrested and beaten and mocked and slapped. Think about it. Every time a hand slapped Jesus, Jesus could look at that hand and he could remember when he made that hand. He knew what that hand would do one day. But he made it anyway because that's what love and mercy does. And they nailed him to a cross on Friday where he, 
where he hung uh, for six hours naked and bleeding. And when Jesus came to his last breath, you know, we've been talking about the last words of Jesus on the weekends here. When he came to his last breath and he spoke his last words, he didn't say, I am finished. No, no. What did he say? It is finished. Meaning I have paid the debt to forgive all your sins and to make you a brand new person. And then they took his body off the cross and they put it in a borrowed tomb, which I love because he wouldn't need it very long. And three days later, when they rolled away the stone, there was an angel sitting in there and the angel said, he's not here, he's risen. He's risen from the dead. And the reason they rolled the stone away wasn't so Jesus could get out, it was so you and I could get in and be changed and made into brand new people. Easter means that you can be made brand new uh, no matter what other people have said or, or done to you. Easter means you can be made brand new, even though there's a list of things on your mirror. Easter means you can be made brand new, even though your physical health is, is failing. You can be made brand new, even though you feel all alone. You know why? Because Jesus did something much greater than bring us more religion. And he didn't come to make us feel Worse, he did something far greater. He came to get rid of the mirror. And now we can look in the mirror and we can see what God sees. A new person, a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. And so here's what I wanna ask you. When did that moment when did that moment happen for you? Do, do you remember the day when you went from being in church to being in Christ? Do you remember the day when you decided, I'm going to follow Jesus? Because if that day hasn't come yet, you know what? You're just adding more stuff to an already messed up mirror. When you could be in Christ, you, you've, you've got to be in Christ, not near Christ, not around Christ, but in Christ. John chapter 1 puts it this way, yet to all, this is open to everybody, this includes everybody, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, look at this, he gave, this isn't religion, we don't earn it, he gave it, he gave the right to become children of God. Let me ask, when did this happen in, in your life? When did you decide to believe in his name? When did you get your sin debt paid? When did you gain your new identity? When did you decide to follow Jesus? When, when did Jesus make you into a new creation? I want to bring up this verse one more time. Take a look at this and, and, and look at that blank. You know what? Today, you can make a decision to put your name right there. You can take that step today. And if you make that decision today, let us know. There's a, there's a welcome card in the seat back in front of you. Take that out. There's a, there's a box you can check where it says, today, I decided to follow Jesus. You can check that and put that in the offering bag later on or drop it off at the, at the uh, connect wall in the lobby and let us know because that's awesome. And we want to celebrate it with you and we want to encourage you. I was thinking this week, what would be a, a symbol? What would symbolize this decision, this change in your life, being made into a new creation. And I realize God's already given us a symbol. 
He's, he's given us two symbols. The first one is called baptism. Anytime somebody gets baptized, they're identifying themselves with the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. In the New Testament, when people would come to faith in Jesus, when they would say yes to Jesus, when they would make a decision to start following Jesus, they would immediately and spontaneously take their first step of obedience and get baptized into him. We read in Acts chapter 2, about 3,000 people on, uh, in, in Jerusalem, and it was on a holiday, the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got baptized when they heard the message of Jesus. They didn't say, I think I'll wait and, uh, until I can take a class, or I think I'll wait until I really feel like doing this, or I think I'll wait until after the holidays. No, they said, I'm going to do this today, and it could be that today as we celebrate the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, God's moving in your heart. And you want to respond and say yes to Jesus. And today, I'm going to identify myself with this symbol of his death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm going to go down an old person, and I'm going to come up a new person in Jesus Christ. That could happen today. We've got our baptistry uh, filled up and heated up. We've got everything that you need. We've got clothing and towels and private changing space backstage. We already baptized three people last night. God's prompting you. Uh, just meet John Howard down front right over here after the service. It only takes about five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. And I'm telling you, it'll be the best five minutes of your life because baptism personalizes this decision. Baptism will help you feel like your debt is paid and you are a new person in Christ. And then God gives us a second symbol called communion to remember what Jesus did for us and to renew our commitment to following him. That's why we share it every weekend. And that's why we have an open communion here. In a moment, the trays will come down your row the, in, in, in a double cup. The, the, the juice represents Christ's blood. The bread represents Christ's body. But to help personalize communion today, I want to ask you to take this card out that I think somebody handed you, and it's got a mirror on the, on the front of it. I think somebody handed this to you when you walked in. And I want you to think about your mirror. And I want to ask you to be so bold as the band plays and as the communion trays pass. I want to ask you to write a few things on this, on this card that are on your mirror as a way of saying, this Easter, I'm going to leave these things behind because I'm going to be in Christ. So take a moment uh, during this song, and if you feel uncomfortable. You can just write a, a letter or a code word. You know what it is. But write something on the, on the card that is on your mirror. And then later on in the service, we're going to do something with that. So, so hold on to it. But let's be honest with ourselves and let's be honest with God as we remember what Jesus did for us as we share communion. Let me pray for us. Would you bow your head with me? Maybe God is prompting some of you today. Maybe God Maybe God's nudging some of you today. Maybe you're tired of looking into a messy mirror and feeling bad about yourself. You want a new life. You want a new identity. I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to give you a moment for you to make a decision in your heart to follow Jesus today. And, and if you make that decision, be sure to let us know because we want to celebrate with you, and we want to encourage you. God, I pray that everyone in this room, in our hearts right now, We'll say yes to Jesus, yes to his sacrifice for us, yes to his resurrection, yes to the new identity he gives us. I'm going to pause for a moment. Why don't you just pray silently and say, Jesus, 
I will follow you as the leader and forgiver of my life. God, we all come here today with messy mirrors. God, thank you for your amazing love that you would go to such an extreme measure to get rid of our mirror and make us brand new in Christ. God, thank you for sending Jesus to pay our sin debt and make us brand new people. God, thank you that the resurrection of Jesus really changes everything. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.